0: Thank you, Brother J.P. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of your cross, and continue on that thought this morning as we uh, get into the message. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter number 10, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, <clears throat> and we're going to begin reading there in verse number 13. We're going to move around a little bit through the book of 2 Corinthians this morning as we uh, consider our text and and kind of grow, build from it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you found your place there, if you would, stand with me as we uh, read. We'll begin in verse 13 and read down through the end of the chapter, uh, and then pray and be seated. Um, but we see this morning here beginning uh, in verse number 13, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, Uh, Of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not that he, not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom he, but whom the Lord commendeth. I'm going to speak to you this morning on the thought God's provision for the gospel. God's provision for the gospel. Let's pray. Fathers, we come together this morning again. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have on a regular basis, multiple times a week, to come together uh, to worship you, to learn of you, to serve you. And Lord, thank you that you've given us a local church in which we can come together and we can be encouraged and challenged and Uh, We have our brothers and sisters in Christ to lean upon when things are difficult, or to uh, labor alongside as we uh, try to and and as we endeavor to do the work that you've given us to do, Lord. As we look this morning now to your Word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts to it. Lord, uh, a lot of times when we get to this aspect of uh, our responsibility as Christians, a lot of times we we kind of turn things off. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep our hearts and our minds open this morning. Uh, May you challenge us and may you burden us, Lord, to uh, provide for the gospel as it's carried out across this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So we get into this month. There's always uh, the, the, the coming of, okay, it's missions month. It's faith promise time. Uh, you know, the, the, the pressure uh, to contribute is going to be on. And if you've been here a long time, you know we're really not a high-pressure ministry in that regard. I don't like people responding to anything that is, uh, uh, God's doing in your life because there's pressure felt uh, unless it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, uh, that's really what we seek to achieve uh, and we started two weeks ago talking about the mission of the church and what God has called the church and established the church to do. Uh, we went into detail about and went through the Great Commission and saw how we are to be reaching the city of Baytown. We are to be reaching the outlying areas and surrounding communities and then uh, beyond to our nation and then ultimately to be contributing uh, to God's work around the world. And that's our responsibility Last week, we talked more about and preached more about the method uh, of the gospel, the mechanics or the method of missions, the, the mechanics of uh, of a local church coming together and acknowledging God's call upon an individual's life or a couple's life, a family's life, to answer that call and to go overseas and how uh, the process of recognizing that and employing that and the uh, the things that are done in preparation. Today... Uh, comes to, brings us to the realization that uh, everything that we seek to do costs money, and I don't probably maybe maybe two to three Sundays a year that I really emphasize uh, giving in the in the in our church every year. It's not something that we uh, spend a lot of time devoting entire sermons to. Uh, but today we are. It is faith promise time. It is a time when we have to ask the Lord and we seek the Lord in faith. Lord, what would you have me to do concerning missions? And that's beyond our our already given uh, illustrations in the scripture and commands in the scripture of what we're to give. Uh, and so I realized this morning that nowhere in the New Testament does God command us to give a tenth, But I do also know that God made his intention abundantly clear in the Old Testament as to what the minimum baseline would be. And all the way back to at least Abraham, if not before, it was never less than a tenth. And so sometimes today, uh, we we in our churches, we tend to not be true to the New Testament teaching uh, because we don't want to uh, encourage people to give less than a tenth. Uh, and so I'm, I'm here to encourage you to give what God tells you to give. Uh, I'm just telling you in my own life and what I understand biblically. Uh, is that the 10th ought to be the starting point because God has the one who is the one who set the precedent uh, and God is the one that laid it out there. And I think that that bears out. Now that's a whole nother sermon. So I'm not going to get uh, sidetracked off in that, but if you're sitting there thinking, okay, pastor, you're, you're saying, we got to give this and then we should give this. But the new Testament doesn't say that. I acknowledge that. I understand that you won't hear many fundamental Baptist pastors uh, say that, especially not publicly, but I just believe we ought to preach the Bible and what the Bible says will be sufficient and it's all that we need. We don't need to fear. We don't need to add to it. God's not broke. He's got fully capable of uh, taking care of everything that He's commanded us to do. But I have a responsibility to be true to the Scripture, true to what the Word of God preaches and teaches. And so, uh, when we talk about this age in which we live in the church age and the age of grace, I fully embrace that. I believe that. I do not believe that grace is an excuse to just do whatever we want. Other uh, I do believe that it is even more of a a convicting force in our lives to do all that God has commanded us to do, and then more uh, as God grows us in that grace. And I think that we'll see that bear out uh, this morning. And so as we started this, we understand Jesus has commissioned us uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He gave that commission to his church. Obviously, our entire church body is not going to pack up and move overseas or take a one year out of seven and travel from country to country establishing churches. Uh, But we have a responsibility uh to share the gospel uh with all the world. The Bible says, and Paul wrote in First Thessalonians chapter two and verse four, and I mention this verse often because I, I love the truth of this verse and the message of this verse, that but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, God has put the gospel into our trust. And so we bear that responsibility. Uh, it is an honor from God to be chosen to have such a responsibility. Uh, and, and honestly, if you talk to any pastor, you talk to any Sunday school teacher, you talk to any ministry leader of any kind, you talk to any missionary, and evangelist, someone that is an itinerant ministry that uh, travels around, uh, then if you find someone that is walking with the Lord and someone that is called of God, they will without fail tell you that it is the great honor of their life to be chosen to serve God with it full time. Uh, it is it is a blessing, say, but, pastor, but what about the burdens and what about the attacks and what about all of the negative things that go with it? Now listen, you're not exempt from negative things if you work in the plant somewhere. Uh, it's just, uh, people are people no matter where you go. Uh, and there's, you've got to just learn to take the, the good with the bad and, uh, and you have to remember why you do what you do. We do what we do because God's called and because God's work is worthy of the sacrifice and God, uh, is, is, is gracious in his care of us. And if my focus is on Jesus and not on the challenges, not that the challenges don't have to be met, uh, then it makes it a little bit easier to keep the right spirit and to be, uh, joyful about serving God. And so it's an honor of God, uh, to be chosen, whether it's to be chosen to be, uh, a Sunday school teacher or chosen to be a, a bus worker or a children's church worker, or chosen to be a pastor, chosen to be, uh, to be uh, a missionary going to a faraway land. It is a, it is a great blessing from uh, the Lord, and it is an honor. And the gospel has been put into our care, into our trust. It is our responsibility. Uh, and so as we look at this this morning, understand that God always makes provision for the accomplishment of that which He's commanded. We uh, or strive this morning to, and next week we'll distribute faith promise cards and the following week we'll collect them after everyone is taken and, uh, and prayed over what God would have them uh, to do and, uh, and we realize this morning that, uh, sometimes that's a little bit weighty of a, uh, of a decision to make and it should be a prayerful decision. I wrote, uh, our check this morning and, uh, and, and wrote this much for tithe and this much for missions that we've committed and this much for other things that, uh, that we've committed to that God has, that's beyond the tithe that God has, uh, laid upon our heart to participate in and, uh, and it's a blessing and an honor to do so. Why? Because God uses his people. Uh, as we live by faith to accomplish his work. And when I do what God has told me to do by faith, then God always blesses uh, the obedience to uh, respond to what God has detailed in his word and laid upon my heart to do. And so while the message is constant in the Scripture, the man and the means uh, are corruptible. We want to be careful that as we make provision for the Gospel, uh, that and God provides a man to fulfill it and the means to carry it out, and He's provided the message to do it, all of those things can become corruptible. Uh, people can give for the wrong reason. People can go and serve and preach a false message. As our missionary alluded to, uh, this morning in the, in the presentation and following that, uh, that there are those that go out in the name of Christ and teach false doctrine. They corrupt the message of a pure gospel. There are some that, uh, that want to just have a title or just want to, uh, to, uh, live that lifestyle and, and actually not do the work that God's called them to do. They become corruptible and you can see all kinds of, uh, news reports about those types of Uh, of ministers all around the world. And so all of it is possible that it's corrupted, but the message is constant. The message itself is incorruptible. The method that God has commanded is not a corrupt method. Can man corrupt it? Anything that man gets his hands in, he can corrupt. But the reality is, is that just because some have been corruptible doesn't make God's method corrupt. God has given us very clearly his, His plan. And so the problem that we face today in reaching the gospel is not that God has not called and it's not that God has not laid upon his people's hearts to give. It's that we, uh, many times have an insufficient number of people that are willing to answer the call. I, I believe personally that when we get to, when we, uh, get to heaven and we experience God laying everything out, the things that we don't know, that we'll find out that, uh, that many, who would have been called to preach or would have been sent to be missionaries have been aborted in their mother's womb. Uh, the world system is corrupt and attacking. We suffer from a lack of, uh, of people that have the opportunity to answer God's call. But even still, those of us that are here, how many times has God impressed upon our hearts as church members or laid something on our heart to do and we did not see it through? Maybe we intended to and failed. Maybe we just said no. But uh, there are things that God put in our heart and it's unmistakable that God led us to do, but we never did. And it's not a lack of the, uh, the sufficiency of God in providing that has failed, but rather man's failure to answer the call. Man's failure to be uh, to be faithful to give. And so uh, we have an insufficient number of missionaries today. We have an insufficient number of pastors here at home. Hey, listen, there are a lot of churches out there that have gone from good to bad because they settled for someone that really wasn't qualified to be their pastor in the first place because there was no one else available or willing. I can't tell you how many times I go places and I scratch my head and I think, how in the world is this working? In most cases, it's not. But the reality is, is that uh, that God has called. We do suffer from an insufficient number of missionaries and evangelists and pastors young people are not answering the call. In many cases, their parents are discouraging them from answering the call because ministry sometimes can be hard and the burdens of it can be hard and people can, at times when they get in attack mode, become vicious and a lot of folks just don't want to see their children answer the call to serve because they don't want them to have to go through those things. They want life to just be easy. But the reality is is that we need our young people to answer the call and we need uh, to. And I understand that there have been a lot of times when uh, pastors, that were held in an evangelist and were held in high regard have stumbled and have fallen, and then we've let the pendulum swing so far the other way that we don't want to uh, look up to anybody anymore in ministry. And so our children's heroes have become uh, have become all the ball players and things of that nature. And I like sports as much as anybody, but I'd far rather my children have heroes that are serving God full time with their lives in ministry than they had some uh, fi- some secular figure out there uh, who doesn't care anything about. Their their spiritual well-being and be careful about uh, overcompensating for those who have failed and just focus on those who God has put his touch and his hand upon. Hey, listen, I'm not here to toot my own horn, horn this morning, but you put parents, there's going to come a day in time when you're going to need your children to look up to the pastor. Be careful about tearing them down at home. If you don't respect them at home, if you don't respect their school teachers at home, if you don't respect their youth pastor at home, then when you really need us to intervene in situations in your life, if you have destroyed us in their eyes, why would they listen and respond well? And sometimes we need to be cautious about, uh, not we don't ever want to be guilty of man worship, but there's not anything wrong with pointing our children to those that want to guide their lives and lead them to a closer walk with the Lord. We are lacking today, but it's not because God hasn't called. Sometimes we struggle to to raise sufficient funds, but it's not because God is out of money. It's oftentimes because God's people are less willing to invest in God's work. And man's refusal to be obedient to God's leading does not mean that God has not made provision. He has made provision. Now, as we look at this this morning, and I say all that to really uh, to just kind of get us in the mindset that, hey, we have to understand that that God wants to use us to get his work accomplished at every level. That means God's going to call some to go. That means that God is going to enable some uh, to do the work. That also means that God is going to really burden someone's heart to pray. Listen, all Christians, we all ought to be praying. We all ought to be praying for our missionaries. But I've been doing this a long time, and I can just say that occasionally God really gives an individual family a burden for one or two missionary families that they just really connect with and 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 go a lot farther in their prayer life for and their support of. And that's a good thing. Be willing to respond to that. And we're going to look at three basic things here in our text this morning. The first I want you to see is that God has provided the manpower. The manpower may not always be willing to respond and to be obedient, but God has provided the manpower. Notice in verse number 13, "...but we will not boast of things without our measure." but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you it is the will of God to get the gospel to every creature it is the will of God to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth so that means that God will make provision for the fulfillment of his will and Paul says here that i have been uh, that God has distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you. God has placed a call upon us and God has provided for us to get to you so that we can share the gospel to you so that we can, uh, give it. Why is that? Why is that so important, Pastor? Well, first of all, this morning it's important because God is still in the soul saving business. God's still saving souls. It may be more difficult in one part of the world than it is in another. It's definitely more difficult today in in our area than it was, say, 20 years ago. I remember 20, 30 years ago uh, and a little longer even going and knocking on doors and people were far more receptive to a visit at the door and to hear the truth than they are today. Today, it takes a lot more investment. It takes a lot more relationship building. It takes a lot more getting to know someone before they're willing uh, to, to hear what you have to say about uh, the gospel, but it doesn't mean that God's not still in the business of saving souls. Man's hearts may be hardened and man's uh, may be drifting farther from God and our culture may have less interest in the things of God, but that doesn't change the fact that God still has the power to impact a life. But it, it makes it even more important that you and I are walking with God every day that we're following God's lead so that when God puts us in the, across those paths, we're willing to be obedient to Him. God is still in the business of saving souls. Not only that, but true, true believers are still seeking God's will. Every Christian should be every day seeking the will of God for their life. Seeking the will of God doesn't sometimes we let that terminology scare us because we think if I seek the will of God for my life, then that means uh, that, that God might turn my life completely upside down and make me uh, move here, move there, become this or become that. Well, it might. But what's important is that we're yielded and surrendered to him. For most of us here, God's will is going to work within within uh, the governance and the guidance of the local church that he's placed us in. And if we're focused on what God has called, we should all be uh, directed to uh, what God has called us to do. I uh, look at Acts chapter 9 and verse number 6 this morning. Well, for sake of time, we'll turn there. But you know the story. The, the, the great persecutor of the church, Saul, is on the road to Damascus to continue his persecution when he meets Jesus. And he gets saved. He gives his heart to Christ. And immediately he stands up and, is, and asks, Lord, what would you have me to do? And what I'm saying this morning is that every Christian, every day of our lives should rise saying, God, what would you have me to do? So, well, pastor, I have a job to go to. What if God tells me not to go to my job today? Well, that that that's not likely God gave you the job. He expects you to be a light at the job and to be consistent and provided from your family. Don't worry about, but maybe there's someone that you're going to work with today that's going through something that needs you uh, to love them and to have compassion toward them and to be in prayer for them. And maybe there's going to be someone that you're going to meet on the way home or an opportunity that's going to arise later. But am I yielded and surrendered? Am I seeking the will of God? Paul rose saying, hey, uh, I want to know Jesus what you want me me to do? What is your will for me? Paul follows the command of what Jesus tells him to do, and praise God for that. In verse number 15 of uh, Acts chapter number 9, we see this, but when the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel, uh, that the Ananias obeyed and went to him. Hey, that was a fearful thing. Go to the persecutor because I've chosen him. Go to the last person on earth that you would expect to give their heart to Christ and meet them and give them guidance and comfort and help them get established in the faith. What I'm saying is that God is calling some to surrender to his call. There's somebody here this morning that God will call. There are some that uh, that have resisted that call, but the point this morning is is that when we talk about missions, we have to understand that when we when we go and we look at the daunting task that lies before us, if we would take serious the mandate that we have from heaven to reach the world with the gospel, we have to realize that God has provided for the manpower. Am I doing my part? Am I obedient to what God's done in my heart, how God's led me? Number two this morning, consider that God has also provided the means. God has provided the means. If God calls someone to go, then there has to be money for them to get there. And you know, and it's it's my uh, daughter Sarah comes over the house often and she says, I hate money, I hate money, I hate money. She doesn't mind having it. She just uh, hates the fact that you have to have it for everything. You can't do anything without money. I mean, you barely walk across the street, and then five years from now, you probably get taxed for opening your door. But the reality is, is that everything that we do costs money. It's just a fact of life. Notice in verse number 15 in our text, Second Corinthians chapter number 10. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. And saying, listen, when you're increased and God lays on your heart to do more, then we can do more. And we see as God <coughs> lays out here. That, uh, that giving to missions, that giving to God's work uh, is something that is honorable to do. It starts as being a part of worship. In Psalm 96, in verses 8 and 9, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Listen, giving to the Lord is a part of worshiping him. And we come this morning and at the end of the service, we take our offering and, uh, and we do that as an opportunity to, uh, co- to, to worship the Lord, to be obedient to His command, to make provision for His work as God uh, has enabled us. We give back to God, uh, in love for what God has given to us. And so we see this morning that giving to God is a part of worship. Not only that, but giving to God is an expression of love genuine giving is an expression of love it's not something that we feel duty bound to do it's not something that we would do grudgingly it's not something that uh that we would cling to if you would uh hold your place here and look back a few pages to chapter number five there's a lot of this text between chapter five and chapter 10 that that deal much with uh, with giving to the work of God and giving to God in general, and we're going to just kind of take some highlights here uh, as we look at this. But love uh, giving is an expression of our love. And uh, two thoughts on that: first, love is the is the object and motive for ministry. You see, we do what we do because we love Him. My personal walk with God, my personal standards and convictions should be because I love Him, not because I'm trying to conform. To what man has imposed? I'm all for high standards. I'm all for being for being separated. I'm all for looking different than the world looks, and uh, and and dressing and acting and behaving and going places in a way that manners that that that, that pleases and uh, and loves God. But I'm just telling you this morning that if the motive that I have for doing that is to please man or to not get attacked by man or to not uh, to to have some man feel as if I'm letting him down, my motive is wrong. My motive should be, I love the Lord, I want to please Him. My motive should be, I want to be pure before God, I want to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Love is the object and motive for ministry. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for, for all, then are all dead. So we see this morning that we are constrained, we are held back, we are encouraged, we are inspired by the love of Christ. Secondly, I would say that giving demonstrates or proves that love. You can give and not love but you can't love and not give. I mean I can uh, you, we give freely to our children, we care for their needs as we train them for the Lord freely. why? because we love. Given, demonstrates, or proves that love. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, and verse number 8. And we're going to look back at verse 7 in a moment. But he says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the frowardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Giving demonstrates or proves that love, and Jesus gave everything. He gave his very life that we could enjoy the riches of a walk with him in heaven and eternal life. We see in verse number 24 there in chapter 8, Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul commending the gift so we see that God has provided the means that giving is, uh, is a part of worship, that giving is an expression of love. Uh, we see that, thirdly, that giving to God is an act of personal surrender. Giving to God is an act of personal surrender. Still in chapter 8, back up to verse number 5 for a moment. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So, what did they do? They gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave financially to Paul by the will of God. See, true giving and true pleasing, the pleasing of God comes when we yield ourselves. We give ourselves to God. God, I am yours. God, I am yours. My body is yours. My home is yours. My family is yours. My children are yours. My uh, my my bank account is yours. My vehicle is yours. God, it's all yours. You provided it. You gave it in your grace and your blessing and your mercy. You gave all of that to me. And I will not withhold from you what you've given to me. They surrendered themselves to God. And after that, as the will of God was made known to them, they gave into the ministry of Paul as he went out to preach the gospel and establish churches. Giving is an act of personal surrender. Giving is a grace in which we should abound. This isn't something that God says, hey, you should uh, embrace this a little bit. No, this is something that we should be abounding in. Notice in chapter 8 and verse number 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence uh, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. The grace of giving to them as they went and served. And so giving is a grace in which we should be abounding. It shouldn't be something that we are stingy or selfish or it's something that we struggle with. We should be abounding. I would say this too: that biblically, the principle is, is that we reap proportionately to our sowing. Reaping is proportionate to sowing. If I go out and I want to uh, plant a hundred acres of corn, and I take out enough uh, seed for about five acres, then I shouldn't expect my field to produce a bumper crop. I can spread it out, I can make it cover, but if I want it to be, uh, if I want to reap a rich harvest, then I have to sow plentifully. 2 Corinthians in chapter 9 in verses 6 through 8 we see this principle but this I say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. How do I want to reap if I want to reap abundantly, I must sow abundantly. I would say this morning that as our faith giving increases, the ministry of missionaries is enlarged. In our text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verses 14 through 16, he makes this point. And then he culminates that by saying that, uh, that you are, uh, that we have been enlarged by you. We want to enlarge the work of missionaries. Listen, the work of uh the work in the ministry of Victory Baptist Church, <coughs> I believe with all my heart that if, if we as God's people that He's assembled here are just simply obedient to what God tells us to do and lays in our heart to do, and we follow the example of Scripture, every need that we have will be met. And consequently, so will the missionaries that God sends our way to support be their needs, be met. We want to be giving that they and their work, their labor may be enlarged. I don't want them to go to the field. I don't want couples like this to go to the field and they go sometimes prematurely and under supported and get there and then struggle. And uh, that their struggle is so uh, such a heavy burden that they really can't fully focus on ministry because they're not sure if those that have promised and committed are going to be faithful to come through with what they promised you'd be surprised at how many churches promise and don't send you'd be surprised at how many uh, stop halfway along the way for frivolous reasons I'm not talking about doctrinal heresy or things like that sometimes it gets adopted it would uh, cause us to have to rethink whether we can continue to partner those things are rare we're careful about those that we bring in and support, and, and in the first place. But I'm just saying this morning that there are a lot of missionaries that get on the field, and uh, and the the uh, the value of our dollar weakens, or uh, or some other thing happens, or churches just begin to uh, to stop sending because people stopped giving. But they're depending, and we need to be faithful to what God encourages us to do. As our faith giving increases, the ministry of our missionaries will be enlarged. And our question really should be, Lord, what will you have me to do? Listen, I, this is probably uh, the the two my two least favorite Sundays as far as the message that I'm going to preach every year happen to be the ones where I'm touching on preach faith and preach faith, uh, faith promise and then uh, tithing and and stewardship month in February. I don't like it. I don't, I don't even like preaching the message, but it's Bible and we have to understand it. We have to know it. We have to know what the principles are and what the truths are. And people are counting on us to give so that the gospel can be preached. So first this morning, we consider that God has provided the manpower. He's called people to go. Not everyone that he's called has been obedient to go, but he's called them. We see, secondly, that God has provided the means. God is not broke. God has it all. But he but He chooses to use you and I to give, to invest in his work so that it can be accomplished. And thirdly, I would say this morning that God has provided the message. See, the message that our missionaries take overseas isn't their message. The message that I preach this morning and every other Sunday morning is not, is not my message. It is his message. We are not here representing self. We are not sending them to represent us. We are sending them to represent Jesus. We are here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. God has provided the message. What is the message, Pastor Will, in verse 16? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. We covered that two weeks ago. I'm not going to take a lot of time here. I'm just saying this morning that we have a message. We have been commanded to go and to teach, to go and to preach. We have been commanded to take the message of the saving grace of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Clearly, we can't all take turns flying out to other countries around the world, but we can send them. We can send our other missionaries. We can support their work. We have been commanded to go and to teach. Not only that, we've been uh, we've been given a message of salvation. We've been given also a message of surrender. We are to baptize, to make disciples. We are to be training, not just hey, here's the gospel. Trust Jesus Christ and you have eternal life and then leave them floundering. But to baptize them and baptism is not only an outward outward action of what's happened inwardly. It's also a commitment that I'm going to walk and live this new life that God has provided me with. And we see as we become obedient to the Lord that we are preaching a message of salvation and of surrender to the will of God to one's life, and then uh, thirdly, that it's a message of service, teaching them to observe. And that's what every Christian's life should look like. Whether it's in a faraway part of the world or whether it's right here at home, every Christian's experience should be an experience of, God, you saved my soul, and and then, God, I surrendered my life to you, and now, God, I'm serving you. And the endeavor that we have and the uh, the mission that we have as the ministry, as a church, as we further the gospel is not just simply to share with someone the gospel and see them saved, but to disciple them and to develop them and to encourage them, to make them disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might go out and reach others also. And we want to partner with people that go around the world and have that same philosophy and that same uh, that same urgency to go out and to commit and to serve and to to give the gospel abroad. So the question this morning is simply this, Lord, what would you have me to do? So Pastor, what you mean about me going somewhere? Just Lord, what would you have me to do? If he calls you, you'll never be happy and satisfied and fulfilled until you go. I don't, I don't think that the majority of us are going to get called to someplace other than here, but there will be some. And whenever God calls them, we should do all we can to support them and to encourage them, to give their heart to Christ because that's part of the will of God. The more pertinent question is to us, for the most part, is Lord, what would you have me to do? Would you have me to be a greeter? Would you have me to be a choir member? Would you have me to be... Uh, A volunteer office worker? Would you have me to be uh, a bus worker? Would you have me to be uh, a children's ministry helper? Lord, what would you have me to do? As it pertains to missions, and for most of us, the question that we need to be praying and asking ourselves over these next two weeks is, Lord, Uh, your work overseas has to be funded. That doesn't come out of our general church budget. That comes out of a special offering to missionaries that's given uh, each week. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, I'm going to give to the, to, to my storehouse, to the work that you've planted me in, and I'm going to give what you've shown as a precedent, and then, uh, as some as I grow in grace, uh, but on top of that, Lord, what would you have me to do as you put me in trust with the gospel? What would you have me to do with its care, to support its carrying out? That's the question we need to be asking prayerfully. Because it's a heavy responsibility. It's a burden that all of us collectively as a church need to bear uh, together as we partner with uh, those that God has sent our way. And our church has been generous in that. I'm not uh, wanting this to sound like, hey, Pastor, you, we, we've been running short. No, we've, been, uh, we've actually been running a surplus this year. Our missions giving has been much better this year than in the last couple now, that wasn't bad then. I'm just saying that I'm always looking when it comes to our missions efforts to be able to expand it. To be able to invest more. We want to invest more in our outreach here at home, but we want to invest more in our outreach across the world as well. Lord, what would you have me to do? We need to be thinking in those terms and praying in those terms. Lord, missionaries need us. What would you have me to do? For some, it, may be, uh, it might be $5 a week. For some, it might be $100 a week. For some, it may be more than that. For some, it may be a few cents a week. Sometimes it could be uh, a child that just gets an allowance and that gives 50 cents a week. It doesn't matter the amount. It matters, God, did I pray and did I seek your will and am I obedient to it? Am I living my life by faith and being obedient to what you've challenged me in my heart to do? Listen, I'm not going to get up here during this time and say, hey, then we all need to uh, do this much at, at least for uh, for missions. That's between an individual believer and their Savior. I'm just telling you I believe every individual believer and in ought to do something. You'll you have a hard time convincing me that the Lord hasn't led you to do something. What will you do? Will you just sit down and write down a figure on that faith promise card that says something that's convenient, that's manageable, that you know that you can do? Or will you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? See, faith is going to push us beyond what we think we can do sometimes. But that's the whole purpose of this: is to step out by faith in obedience to what God has given us. I said this last week after our missionary preached on Sunday night. And I was the, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart as he uh, as he preached and as I closed the message or closed out at the invitation. Uh, is he personal enough for us to trust? Because when it gets down to faith and God and you pray and you seek the Lord's will and God tells you a figure and God it uh, lays it on your heart and you feel like, well, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Do you trust him? See, this is a faith endeavor. This is a a going to God and saying, God, what is your will for me? What is your will for my household, for my family? And when God tells me, and I'm thinking, I don't know that I can do that. So, Pastor, it's easy for you. And it said, well, listen, I, I've been there times in times of my life, Brother Sandy, where, uh, where $5 was a lot of money. But we always gave it if God told us to. And you know we've never done without? And there have been times when we've given a lot more. And then times whenever God's laid in our heart maybe to do less. See, God knows what you've got coming up through the year. I don't. You don't. But God does. The point is, be obedient. Lord, what would you have me to do? Do I trust him enough to act? Do I trust him enough? Listen, it's easy to say, Brother Jack, hey, I've got faith, Pastor, I've got faith, I've got faith. Well, real faith acts. It's not enough to just say, yeah, I believe that and I have faith in God, but what are you doing for him? See, true faith. And the matter is, have I gotten close enough to the Lord that my trust in Him is so great that I'm willing to just launch out? Peter was close enough to Jesus whenever he said, Lord, bid me come to you, that he jumped out of the boat and into the stormy water. He was doing great until he got his eyes off of Jesus and on his problems. What I'm saying this morning is if Jesus is personal enough to me, then I'll trust Him. And the question is, is he personal enough to trust and do I trust him enough to act upon what he puts in my heart? So we go through this next week or two and I look at this and consider then we need to be in prayer. Lord, what would you have me to do? There's a gospel that you've put into our trust. There's a gospel that you've given us the responsibility of preserving and carrying out and spreading throughout the world. God, what would you have me to do? That's our question this morning. It should not be something that's pressure from the pulpit. It should be something that is conviction from the Holy Spirit. It should be seeking the will of God. It should be being obedient and surrendered to the will of God. And it should be trusting God to provide that which He's told you and told me to commit. What will we do this morning?